Hello and welcome to Relationship Rescue. Every relationship begins with you, the podcast. By the way, my name is Heather Carter. <laughs> I never say that, do I? But I'm just assuming you know that's my name. And my maiden name was Hogan. Heather Hogan. Uh, doesn't even seem real anymore. Like, that seems so odd to even say that. Um, but anyways... How are you? Have you listened to the first two um, um, episodes of this series of four on victims? Isn't it gross? Ah, don't be a victim. Don't get involved with a victim. Tell the victim no more. Go suck it. Go eat some crap. I don't know. But no more to these victims. And no more to victimhood. I get it. But it's, ugh, it's so bad. They're such leeches. Ugh. Have you ever... I jumped in a lake and when I, when I was like nine years old, my sister and I were sent off to this island in Canada. I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's another story. Um, anyways, we jumped into this lake and we came out and I had three leeches on my leg. And I will never forget the screaming. But point is, is that it was, these leeches, you couldn't get them off. You literally could not get these leeches off. And so then my sister had to go get salt, which I don't even remember if it worked. I was so traumatized. <laughs> salt, and then she got a knife, uh, like a butter knife. And it, yeah, so point again, the point is, is that they were so hard to get off. And, and a victim, the narcissist victim, the covert or the malignant are leeches, they leech off of you. Ugh, they're gross. Stop pretending they're anything other than they are. They're gross. Okay, so let's go, let's keep going with the drama triangle. Now remember, if you didn't tune into um, to the podcast to number, oh my God, that was 59, by the way. What? Yeah, 59 podcast. So um, number 59 is going to explain to you, and I'm going to just give a quick recap about what we're really talking about here, which is the drama triangle, and I call it the dreaded game. And um, a psychotherapist named Stephen Cartman um, described the triangle in the late 1960s. Okay, um, brilliant. And it basically really does show how a toxic relationship works. And yes, of course, we have the codependent with the narcissist a lot of the times in it, but you also have the anxious preoccupied that just finds victims. You just... You know, there are victims walking all over this earth and this planet and everywhere you look that are not necessarily um, a narcissist, obviously, right? Not everybody is a narcissist. And so, but there are plenty of victims. And the victims, while, you know, they might not be narcissistic, they will be, they're leeches, okay? Their level of leeching, though, isn't um, abusive like the narcissists are. Sure, it's a it's it's a bad thing to just take from people, but if somebody's willing to give, you know what, they're gonna take. Um, you know, think of like some of the victims as the children that never grow up and they never find a job and they expect other people to just continuously pay for them, right? But they're not necessarily a narcissist. Um, they just are constantly looking at people to take care of them. They they don't hold down a job a lot of the times. There's so many different types of victims in this world. And by the way, I talked about how we all act like victims in episode 
57 or 50, what, what did I say this is? 59, so 58, 58 and 58. So go, go listen there because we all will act like victims. Well, okay, so here's the thing, guys. In this drama triangle, there's three roles, two players. Three roles, two players. What? Yes. Okay, so we've already covered the victim. They are needed. You cannot have this drama triangle without the victim. But what does the victim need? In order to be a victim, what is the victim constantly searching for? What do they need? They need a rescuer. Yes, somebody to rescue them. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Without the rescuer, their victim is in trouble. Now, okay, so, you know, when we hear about the rescuer, we're like, oh, they're so empathetic and they're so compassionate. And they are. They are. Um, and the rescuer has no self-compassion, by the way. They self-abandon all the time to be a rescuer, to help the victim. And this is where the codependent comes in. And even the anxious preoccupied. And this is where, um, now remember, nobody is ever, is all of one thing. Okay, so, so don't think that every codependent is like this. There's actually two types of codependents. I need to do an episode on that. You know, there's the more extroverted one who is more of the fight type. Then there's the introverted one, more of the people pleaser. And, you know, so, so keep in mind that everything is relevant to each person. So the rescuer um, really likes seeing things turn out the way they want them to turn out. Okay. So, you know, um, they they really step into this dance as a way to um, kind of make themselves feel better, right? Um, it's definite, if you need me, that means that I'm good, okay? Because there's a lot of insecurity, like, just like the narcissist um, or victim, um, they, they don't feel good enough. They're, you know, they come from these backgrounds, you know, again, the dysfunctional, the trauma, um, all of it. And what they're trying to do is really keep people from abandoning them. I wouldn't say it's at the crux, but it's a big part of it. If I do this for you, you won't leave me, right? So, um, and guess what? Guess what also can be re rescuers? You ready for this? Okay, because this is a big one. This is the <clears throat> big reveal here. Addictions. Alcohol is a rescuer. Drugs is a re are a rescuer. So is sexual addiction. Guess what else is a rescuer? workaholism. Who's the victim? Well, let's say I'm the victim and I necessarily do not want to, you know, I'm not in a relationship or I am in a relationship, but the thing that's actually rescuing me is the drugs, the alcohol, working 80 hours a week, watching porn. It's basically those, you know, those are the ways that we can numb out and, and that rescues the victim from their feelings. And then the person rescuer rescues them from, you know, their inability to hold jobs down, to, to take care of them for all the other things. So, you know, it sounds like, you know, we, we the, again, like the rescuer is somebody that's just so wonderfully compassionate. And they are, but a lot of it is, they're doing it from an unconscious level, right? And, and it what you see of instead of helping or supporting the victim, the rescuer just increases the victim's sense of powerlessness. 
Now, they don't mean to do that, and the victim willingly takes that on, but unwittingly, okay, this is the truth, unwittingly, the rescuer enables the victim to stay small. Even though this may be, you know, obviously the farthest thing from the stated intention, the victim then, what does the victim end up doing? Because the rescuer is enabling them to stay small. So they end up feeling, in their own way, ashamed and guilty for needing the rescued, the rescue. And so now they become dependent on the rescuer for a sense of safety. Okay, now this is kind of all obvious, right? So, well, then the rescuers look like and and feel like the good guy and they're not bad but but what's motivating them to rescue is fear right you know a rescuer will fear a loss of purpose rescuers need the victim someone to you know basically protect or fix or bolster their self-esteem Res, you know, rescuing gives that codependent or just, a, a, you know, a, a anxious preoccupied or something, um, almost a false sense of superiority that covers their own fear of being inadequate. And they can, you know, and now the third role is the persecutor, okay? And I'm going to get into this tomorrow, the next episode of how the victim and the rescuer each turn into the persecutor. But um, rescuers feel good about themselves as long as they don't admit that the victims could meet their own needs without them. So with victims to rescue, um, rescuers feel justified. So what do they do? Guess what? They avoid, like I said, abandonment by being there for others. And they foster this, you know, um, dependency by becoming what? Indispensable to the victim's sense of well-being. And it's this toxic, gross relationship. And what will happen eventually is the codependent will get really get sick of the rescuing. Um, or they won't be appreciated for the rescuing or the victim will just, you know, especially if the narcissist, the, what, the re, basically the rescuer will eventually resent, right, the, um, the victim. And turn into a persecutor. There's so many different scenarios. Again, I'm going to go into them tomorrow. But um, the rescuer will just start persecuting. Okay? And it's not unusual for, you know, a victim to switch from seeing the rescuer as kind of a saver, savior. Right? Like, you've saved me. Thank you. I love you. Oh! And the rescuer is like, oh, I love you, my little can't do anything for yourself, let me just rescue you to, guess what, seeing the rescuer, her, her or him, as the persecutor who reminds the victim of his dependency. See, now that's in the victim's mind now. So what happens is the, is the victim starts to take on massive amounts of shame. Because all he's, he's being reminded is, is he can't live without this rescuer. Without this rescuer, he might not have a home. Without this rescuer, he might not have a car. Without this rescuer, he might not have food. And I'm saying his, it could be her too, okay? So, all of a sudden, his shame turns to anger at the rescuer. He becomes a persecutor, right? Okay, so... 
So the rescuer avoids becoming the victim herself, right? So the rescuer does not want to be the victim. And here's the thing about rescuers. They're fucking highly independent. They can take care of themselves. That's the craziest part. They don't go using people to get their financial needs met and their their basic needs met. They work hard. They're freaking brilliant. A lot of the rest victims also are brilliant. They just don't know what it's like to work hard. They're lazy. They're entitled. The rescuer, oh my God. They, they don't need the victim. That's what's crazy. But they do, guess why? Because they do not, they, you know, they're, they're craving love. And when they feel that sense of love from the, from the victim and they feel love, they cannot let it go. Because a lot of the times these relationships start out with what? Love bombing, ding, da, ding, ding, da, ding, winner, winner, winner. Yes, if you said love bombing, you just won. And so the rescuer is like, yes, I'm getting the love I've never had. I can't let that go. What do you need? Oh, you need $200,000. Let me lend it to you. What do you need? You need a house to live in for free? Let me lend it, give it to you. What do you need? A car to drive? Here you go. What do you need? Food to eat? Here you go. What do you need? Sex? Here you go. What do you need? My attention 120% of the time? Here you go. And they self-abandon and give everything to the victim, including their self-respect, their self-esteem, everything else. But their motive, while they think is good, their motive is actually, it's it's wanting that love. It's Well, it's going to be hard for you to hear this as it's selfish because they're just craving that love so much and their self-esteem is low that they are going to go to the depth of hell in order to feel that love. And guess what? That love never comes back, usually, that they had in the beginning from love bombing. That's how this works. You're, you're, and literally, thank you, Stephen Cartman, that psychotherapist in the 1960s that created the drama triangle. This is, I'm showing you and teaching you exactly how a toxic, relationship works especially with the codependent and the narcissist but again remember they don't have to be two a narcissist you know it could be two codependents remember that there's severity levels it's on a spectrum but the more narcissistic and the more codependent somebody are, are the more this thing is the drama triangle is just life consuming and ruins lives the rescuer always will end up on their feet always why? Because they can take care of themselves. Not maybe, you know, not, that doesn't mean emotionally they won't come out extremely damaged. They will. They will. And now remember, the grandiose narcissist is something different. They're not looking to have their needs met through money or anything else. I'm talking about the covert, the malignant, um, the communal. Those narcissists are the ones that take for the, you know, the victims for the money and everything else, but all victims are looking for their needs to be met. Every single one of them. And the rescuer, again, jumps in. So through them believing, the rescuer believing that they're going to um, not be abandoned, guess what they do? 
They set, you know, every rescuer sets herself or himself up for disappointment and rejection when, guess what, the victim won't do as he or she advises <laughs> or doesn't appreciate the help. And you think victims can actually show a lot of appreciation? No! Why? Why can't the victim show appreciation? Because they're entitled. They're entitled to your money. They're entitled to lies and manipulation. They're entitled to say whatever they want. They're entitled to take. Poor me. Wah, wah. I'm just going to take from the, everybody that I know until eventually rescuers run out and they do run out. I promise you they run out. So then guess what? The rescuer feels like a martyr. And that's a victim, really, right? So now the rescuer is feeling victimized. <gasps> what? Heather? Yep. Yep. So now when the rescuer feels victimized and every rec rescuer, because guess what? They were victimized. But guess what? They allowed it. Yeah. So wait, are you a victim if you're complicit? No. You're not. And as a rescuer myself, it's hard to, that's hard to swallow. I'm no longer a rescuer. I won't rescue anybody. Ever. 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 Again. No. Nobody will get a dime. Nobody will get my time like that. If, if you've got to understand, it literally, you have to say no more. 2022 is about no more. If you're still in these this type of a drama triangle, you've got to say no more. Stand up for yourself. And I am serious. Stand up for yourself and say no more. You're better than this. I promise you there is other people out there. There is more out there in this world. And you can heal through your traumas that keep you stuck in rescue mode. You can. I promise you, you can. Because now once you then, now once you feel like the victim, oh God, guess now what happens? Not only does your happy ending not happen, but the pattern repeats itself. Now you're the victim. The other one is kind of, the victim is not so much the rescuer, they're the persecutor. Because they start persecuting you. Why do they start persecuting you? Because Here's why. Because you, as the rescuer, are saying, I can't believe, why can't you just get a job? I can't, why can't you do this? You know, I gave you money. I gave you this. When are you going to, I just found out you're cheating. What? I found this letter. I found this note. I found this on your phone. I found, I know this. I know that. And the victim, being cornered, <gasps> persecutes his or her way out. Who do you think you are? with rage and anger. Why? Deflection, deflection. Take the focus off. Don't ask me a question. Don't corner the victim. Do not ask them to get a job. If you ask, they will show you rage. 
If you ask anything that they don't like, you will be hung up on the silent treatment. Everything will go against you. So now you as the victim, when you basically said, okay, I've been rescuing you a long time and there's no change. Can you please? And, and, but yet as a rescuer, you're still fearful of asking these questions or, or doing anything. Why? Because guess what? They're, you know, they're going to rage against you. You know they're either going to rage against you, they're going to be passive aggressive, they're going to hang up on you, they're going to block you, they're going to give you the silent treatment, all this shit, because why? And guess what? By the time they are done, you're going to forget that you've given them thousands of thousands of dollars that you've 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 sacrificed your mental and emotional health that and willingly, by the way, that you have found whether it, again proof that they are cheating but by the time they've raged on you you are like so confused so they are now a persecutor and you have become the victim and guess how everything goes back to normal you the rescuer dying to get out of this role, out of being persecuted because your central nervous system is on fire. What do you do? I'm so sorry. Please. It's okay. What do you need? Can I rescue you again, Mr. Victim? Thank you. Thank you. Here you go. Take my soul. Wipe out my bank account. Yeah. Yeah. Now, guess what happens? We're back to the rescuer and the victim. It's a tangled web. Okay? It's a tangled web. And the persecutor is basically a crying baby. A two-year-old throwing a temper tantrum at the grocery store. That's how this works. And there is no end. Well, there is. And I'll actually tell you about the end. But it's going to require healing. It's going to require saying no more. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Rescue. Every relationship begins with you. Do you see how that works? Every relationship begins with you. You are amazing. You are fabulous. You are fantastic. You are better than anything in this whole entire world because you are you and you are perfect in your imperfections. You are, oh my gosh, you are so amazing that you don't even understand the power you have within you. And that is what is so hard for me. Um, when I really realize how powerful I am and not in, a, in, a, in an egotistical way, in a way of the power of love, the power of forgiveness, the power of moving on, the power of saying no more. Oh, oh. Say no more. And again, thank you for tuning in. I will, uh, yeah, be talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.